everybody, welcome back to This Week in Marvel, the official podcast of Marvel. I am Marvel's editorial director of digital media, Ben Morse, joined on my left by... I am Blake Garris, and we have a very, very special guest to the podcast today. Please introduce yourself, sir. Hi, I'm Hoon Lee. So, I gotta—I was telling you this before, I gotta give some, some backstory. First off, you're on the wonderful show Banshee. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're on Ninja... Teenage Ninja Turtles. Ninja, Ninja Turtles, yeah. yeah for um, I gotta say, so here's what happened. I, <laughs> I, New York Comic Con came around. Uh, I booked this television. I booked these celebrities to be on our live show, mm-hmm. and some of them were from this show called Banshee. Mm-hmm. Never seen it before. So I was like, oh, maybe I should start watching it. Right, right. That show is amazing. Ah, oh, thank you. Your character is the best character in TV <laughs> history. Um, He's never said this before. Yeah. I've like, never seen him this excited. Yeah. <laughs> I think I said that to Michael K. Williams when he was here. Uh, you and Omar <laughs> from The Wire, <laughs> the you know, two best I get that footing. comparison a lot, actually, <laughs> yeah. weirdly. But yeah. Is that true? Yeah, I do. I get that what? comparison a lot. Oh, really? Yeah, people bring up me and Omar a lot. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I, okay, well, I guess it's true then. Yeah, right. I mean, I'll take it. Um, so then I, I, I find out who is going to be there from the show, and you're not there. That's right. And I was so bummed out. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, then I found out you are the king on The King and I, which is amazing. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. how's he going to do that? It was <laughs> like, you're you're better than De Niro, sir. Oh, I'm my like, gosh. Like, <laughs> those are two different characters by far. Like, Yeah, there. I mean, part of what was appealing about doing The King and I after filming Banshee, our last season of Banshee, uh, was that they're 180 degrees in different directions. Mm-hmm. And, although I'm still wearing, you know, shiny, sparkly clothes, <laughs> you know, just in a different context. It's a good through line. Yeah, it's good. Less, less constraining, though. It's, um, all the women get to wear the corsets. <laughs> yeah. And Ben saw you in some film. I saw you in the uh, oranges. Oh yeah, I've yeah, yeah! Wow, yeah, that we was. We were going through your IMDb the other day, and I, that, w- that was what clicked for me. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Very vast resume. Well, yeah, with the, <laughs> there's some range there, but uh, yeah, I got to spend a couple of days at the lovely Huffman Coos in, uh, <laughs> in Queens. Um, but yeah, the uh, the show has been an amazing experience. Um, working at Lincoln Center, working with Kelly O'Hara and uh, and the rest of the cast there, it's, it's just been. Uh, an incredible kind of testing ground too after having done uh, four seasons of television to kind of see where where I was in terms of stage work and, and how uh, how many shows a week are you doing eight eight shows, eight a shows yeah. that's a it's a three-hour show it's a long show it's yeah. almost three hours it's um a lot of uh, vocal production yeah and um you know I, I don't know how Kelly's doing it to be honest she's been doing it since March and she's made of iron you know, you were just talking about the transition from TV to stage. Yeah, yeah. Is this your first stage experience? No, actually, I started in stage, and I okay, specifically so started in musical theater. Yeah. Um, so I started uh, with a show that went to Taiwan, a very small show called Making Tracks. And, okay. Uh, I actually did a King and I production at Paper Mill Playhouse right after that. I played the Crawler Home, who's mm-hmm. uh, currently played by Paul Nakuchi. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, it was great. It was sort of a wonderful introduction. I got to see uh, Carolee Carmelo was our um, our Anna at the time, as well as the late Kevin Gray. And they mm-hmm. were, you know, just Broadway vets, complete pros, consummate professionals, and I got to sort of learn at their knee a little bit, mm-hmm. which was a wonderful first experience. I'm always interested when people transition between stage and either film or mm-hmm. TV, the idea of when you're on the stage, you know, you have to play big because yeah. you have to play to the guy in the last row. Right, right. Then you go on TV, you see some stage actors struggle because they're still 
going very big, but you're in a much smaller space. Um, going yeah. back and forth, how is that? Like, you know, is it I, easier I, to do going back and forth? I got off a little easy on that respect okay. because, uh, you know, my character in Banshee, Job, you is, can is, still play is a heightened yeah. character. He's, you know, big is not always um, a bad thing for, for that character given the sort of um, his manner of speech and his, his gener- generally his level of frustration and consternation mm-hmm. um, lends itself well to going a bit bigger. But um, so it so, somewhat eased that transition, right. I think. But uh, I think that we had a, on, on Banshee, we just had this incredibly um, supportive team of people behind from all the cameramen to our stunt team to the fellow actors, producers and writers. So it was very easy to to sort of ask people for help. Sure. And, and that that got me through. Um every single season you know I, there was no way I would have made it otherwise <laughs> um, I gotta say too I, I've never seen a, a group of actors do so much press for a final season like they, they mm. said it was over they knew it was over most people were just like well that's over let's move on but it's, it says a lot about the show yeah they care about it you know we we work very hard on that show and um, you know uh, it's not an easy show to make mm-hmm. um, for anybody um, down to our, our from our PAs all the way up, um, and I think people really invested themselves and really wanted it to be as good as it could be, um, as powerful as it could be. And uh, when that happens, you you know you you become tighter as a family, and you become um, you become close to the 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 show itself. I mean, as an entity and as as part of your own experience and part of your own identity. So I think that moving into the point where we bring the show to the rest of the world we've always felt like we're sort of that little engine that could and we've, we've had to not only try to expand um, our own audience but expand the audience for Cinemax as well and and so we've fought for that um, throughout the entire time and we felt very gratified that people have embraced it and the people that enjoy it they love it you know and I I feel like it's about as close as I've ever been to being like in a cool indie band, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like the people that know seem to really know and, yeah. and, and they, they end up evangelizing for us as well. Um, that support has been tremendous. Uh, I can't tell you how many conversations, I, I wish people could be privy to the sorts of conversations that happen where um, we're incredibly cognizant of our responsibility to our fan base and it drives us. Um, to the point of argument, you know, to the part, point of <laughs> dissent and, you know, like they're never going to buy that or, you know, like, you know, we ha- how are we going to top this or we shouldn't top it because that's, you know, we, we can't sacrifice equality just to, to chase some sort of an effect. And that's sometimes, I think, difficult for people to imagine in a, in a show like ours where, you know, we're constantly <laughs> trying to make the explosions bigger. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it does, it's constantly on our minds. Yeah, I remember I asked Anthony, I was like, you guys never even bring up the fact that there's like a parole officer in the first season. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like he's yeah. like, don't worry about that. We yeah, don't that. It, was, <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. You know, there I, I think there is sort of a, I, I the show has to run, uh, in some ways conceptually very lean in order for us to get to what I think is uh, sort of our wheelhouse and, mm-hmm. and the meat of our matter. Um, and sometimes that means, uh, you know, you you have to think quickly about what what. So what avenues are actually proving to be fruitful and what are not? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's just the nature of TV in general. I mean, the, the reality is when you're inside of it, you notice every little thing, every little dangling loose thread. But I think the audience is, is more intelligent and more forgiving about those things, and they understand what we're trying to do. 
Speaking of that fan base you were talking about, Blake said we weren't able to get you for the uh, the Comic Con. We had the cast yeah, on, but did yeah. you do the convention circuit? Have you I I did uh, I did Comic Con for Teen- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Here oh in New wow, York, okay, which was great, and it was wonderful because I actually was able to rendezvous with the rest of the Banshee cast mm-hmm. I hadn't seen in a while, and they were it was a great little reunion. Um, plus, I got to eat their snacks in the green room, so that was good. That's always good. Better snacks for the Banshee. Yeah, people have no idea how much work I will do for, simply for food. Um, what kind of snacks are we talking about here? Like oh, my gosh. The, the very best in granola bars. Oh, nice. <laughs> and your finest bottled water. Um, yeah, the Comic-Con. It's not as glamorous as people think, but it's it's an amazing way to meet fans. It's one of the few places where you – and actually, social media is one of those places as well where you get to actually – thank people mm-hmm. you know for allowing you to do this work and and for for me more and more as you know a, a parent and um someone getting older it's you realize how much uh, value people give you when they simply give you an hour of their day mm-hmm. and to watch your show or you know if they binge watch you and they give you a weekend I mean, mm-hmm. that's time they're not getting back and and that means a lot to me that's amazing um I want to ask too. I mean, the reason you're here, I guess, is because I I told you earlier as well. Like after I saw the show, and again, such a wonderful performance. Thank you. I was like, I got to tweet to him and say good job. And then you know, as you go down the rabbit hole of Twitter, and I was yeah, going through yeah. photos like a creeper or something. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you're like, re- oh, he's reading Hawkeye. Yeah. Oh, he's reading this. Yeah. And then I'm realizing like, oh, you're like buddies with some of the writers and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I I grew up reading comics, and um, that was part of the reason. I almost fainted when I. Uh, landed Splinter in Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I mean, I remember that first, you know, the Mirage black and white. Sure, when they came on the black and white stuff. Yeah, a friend of mine had it, and he had it in a plastic bag, and he, you know, let me read it, and I tried to steal it, and it was just, it, and we're not friends anymore. <laughs> um, but, you know, comics have been part of my life uh, since, from a very, very early age. Um, and as you get older, I think a lot of us go through these things where you kind of fall out of contact with them, and then you find them again, and um, you know, I, more recently, I found them again, and I, I ended up really referencing my comic history when I uh, when I started Banshee because um, a lot of people, for one thing, they published a Banshee comic as part of um, launching the show, which I thought was fantastic. Um, but also because you know, comics and the sort of heightened reality of comics is is a lens that I'm very familiar with, and it it really resonated for me with the sort of heightened reality of Banshee and all of these things like fantasy sci-fi and um, speculative fiction or whatever it might be. Um, I always found that when people grew attached to them, it was because it it allowed them a sort of fresh look at the more um, mundane or the more kind of classic questions that everyone goes through about, you know, existentialism or relationships or, you know, that was the big draw for X-Men growing mm-hmm. up was like, you're dealing with people that are are outsiders, are outcasts, right. are teenagers, you know, whatever they are. And they're, you know, it was the closest thing to um, a comic book soap opera at the time and and sort of dealing with the idea of of relationships as much as as with um, the struggle of good and evil and, and power and then as you get older and you you know see those comparisons between you know Professor X and Magneto and you know Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X and those sorts of positions you you draw so many uh, parallels in a way that um, connect you to your own childhood and to the themes that you know but are still incredibly involving and exciting um, Hawkeye was an amazing book for me uh, mm-hmm. this past couple of years just because 
um, it just felt so fresh, you know, it, yeah. it felt so new, um, and yet touched upon so many things I grew up with, you know. <laughs> um, you, you know, even, uh, I, I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, David Mazzucchelli's work in, in yep. uh, the Born Again Nailed series it, yep. and Daredevil and, you know, just, or uh, Batman Year One, when, you know, when I saw those references to the, the visual style, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it's great that someone's taking this and bringing it further, but kind of marry that with like you know Chris Ware's sort of graphic mm-hmm. style and mm. those sorts of echoes it it was mind blowing mind blowing for me or, um, the issue following the dog's perspective mm-hmm. or, you know Arrow's perspective or um, all of those things I find tremendously exciting um, and I feel like this is an incredibly rich time for comics because there don't seem to be any rules um, and it does sort of mirror my experience in television where I feel like television is being cracked wide open and and people are allowed because of cable and because of you know Netflix and Amazon. People are allowed to do new things um, uh, without being kind of tied to sponsors and, and advertisers and the sort of uh, constraints they can put on them. So I, I find a lot of parallel there. I'm interested because you talked a lot about themes and larger things. Yeah. Are there any characters in particular who resonate with you? Like when you were reading Hawkeye. Mm. Is there stuff Clint Barton's going through that you relate to, that, that, that Kate Bishop's going through that you relate to, or is it the larger theme of this is the universe? Well, you know, what's interesting about Hawkeye is, mm-hmm. you know, I, and you think about this a lot, is because in some ways it's it's sort of the comic book equivalent of a backstage um, uh, play or, you yeah. know, like a, a behind-the-scenes sort of thing. Sure. And you see that, um, I remember there was one issue of that series where... Uh, um, I think it starts with, uh, I want to say Hawkeye and Spider-Man and Wolverine, uh, mm-hmm. like they're fighting AIM guys, I yep, think. Yep, yep, I know the right? way you're talking And about. the way that it's drawn is is like a, like a comic strip yeah. almost, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and you yeah, kind yeah. of, to draw that visual distinction between, um, you know, the facade of the superhero and then to go back to this sort of more stripped down and um, uh, look at Clint Barton's life mm-hmm. in this in this brownstone tenement you know mm-hmm. dealing with the tracksuit guys and then I was like I, I thought that was really cool because you see that in in film and in TV and in um, plays um, but the idea of that the superhero is a performative um, figure for a real person right is is a great thing and something I I felt very strongly connected to when I was reading that series this idea that your life could be falling apart in every way but and you put that suit on. But you put that suit on, yeah. or you you get into this environment where you know the rules, you know how how to make things better mm-hmm. and how to make things work. And for Clint Barton, that happens to be you know, fighting crime or yeah. you know being one of the <laughs> Avengers, you know. But uh, you know, can't pour a cup of coffee some days, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. I thought was really that's something I think everyone can identify with. Um, and so those sorts of things I found really, or or even his relationship with Kate Bishop, which I found very interesting. Um, because you see, there's other, you know, he's you see him get into these romantic entanglements, mm-hmm. um, and you see the fallout from some of those with Jessica and and, uh, and Bobby, you know, mm-hmm. and some of those later issues. But to see this person that kind of everyone sort of identifies as his soulmate, <laughs> if you're reading the book, um, is such a great theme, you know, to to play with. You know, what what is the difference there, and why can't they bridge that gap, or mm-hmm. or do you even want them to? Mm-hmm. You know? sort of dynamic is great 
That's amazing. That's it a is. lot of Hawkeye. Sorry, well, but no, I, that no, was such a great series for me this year. It is. Oh, there's so there's so much to it. So it, it, it's kind of nice. It's not a book we've had anyone into kind of talk and mind a lot about. But yeah, you speak very intelligently on it. I you know my it's senior awesome. thesis in in, uh, in school was uh, was about connecting or the sort of through line that connects American Gothic fiction with uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight series. There you go. Yeah, and so you know went very far down the road. So you think about this stuff is what you're saying. Way too much. Way too, too you know, I'm not fun at a lot of parties. It's, that's not a good thing. It's maybe your parties. parties. Yeah, yeah. Come, yeah. Come to your parties. But then I'll feel way out of my depth. Right. <laughs> How did you meet some of these uh, writers and become friends with them? Well, you know, uh, someone like Greg Pak, he's, you know, he's been a filmmaker and um, and in the Asian American community. So I've, I've met him through, through those communities primarily. Um, and it's been such a great thing to see him um, you know see the work he's creating and I was a big fan of his work with Jay Lee on the Superman Batman crossovers and mm -hmm. stuff and and now that he's doing the Hulk and he's introducing a character like Amadeus Cho I think it's I think it's groundbreaking um, I think that those are the sorts of things that give me a lot of hope because kids are going to grow up and, and adults are going to grow continue to grow up seeing something different and mm -hmm understanding that this can be exciting and that this can be not a novelty necessarily you know the fact that there's in a there's an asian american character that's inheriting the mantle of like one of the iconic characters and that 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 character is sort of the latter day version of a jekyll and hyde character and these sorts of you know to draw that connection through all that time um is hugely powerful for me and so a lot of the times it just consists of, you know, again, this avenue of social media allows us this, this forum to be able to encourage people and, and let them know that you appreciate what they're doing and um, uh, and also just kind of see how they are tracking. Uh, I, I, I also sort of weirdly Twitter stalk a couple of people. and. You know, I just did it that one time. I know. <laughs> sure, like it's like, sure it is. Like, sure. Please, Blake. <laughs> but, you know... Um, Anyone that I feel like is is sort of pushing boundaries is is exciting to me. Um, and also, weirdly, you know, like um, I, I've I've in some ways, I, and I don't know why I feel this way, but I I feel like uh, I should strangely know anyone that has Asian blood in the comic <laughs> industry. It's like, how come we haven't met? Isn't there somewhere we should have met at some convention? Or something? Um, but I not not just that, but the people that are um, you know, kind of holding down the fort in sort of the mainstream titles. I know that's a huge responsibility. It's like it's like being entrusted with Star Wars or something. You know, you you have to support so much legacy, mm -hmm. and then how do you take that and bring it somewhere new? Um, but I think that comics, by their nature, they were always serialized and they were prone to reboots all the time. And so, in some ways, they're a medium that's kind of made for the modern age now. You know, where you can tell a story and retell it. You can tell an origin story and retell it, um, and that there's n there's fewer and fewer things that I think are seen as really truly canonical. Um, that's really exciting to me because that allows each generation to make it their own. It allows uh, groups of people to find different ways to identify with the characters, um, and I that's the that's what's weirdly a sort of connection with the King and I because the King and I is a revival and. I've not done anything that's had the sort of status of a classic at this scale. Um, and you you meet people who are grandparents, who are bringing their grandchildren. 
and you don't really get that with TV. Um, you get that sometimes with films like Star Wars, but you don't really get that a lot with television. Um, and so that's kind of special um, to to know that you are you are part of this bridge for for multiple generations of people, and that uh, they can see something new in it and see something familiar in it. It's really great. It's amazing. What kind of stories? be it comics, mm. TV, film, stage, what kind of stories interest you the most and which ones do you want to tell? Like if you had the opportunity maybe to work on a comic or oh, wow. a oh, show man. or something like that. Um, you know, I like, I like stories that telescope from the very, very large sort of macro issues to very, very humble, simple family issues, mm. particularly family issues. I, I've always maintained that Banshee at its heart is a family. It's a story about families. And every main conflict comes from the disruption of a family. Um, so the character we know as Lucas Hood gets out of prison and the first thing he wants to do is find the love of his life and begin a new life with her. Uh, we find out later in the series that he has actually bought a house for them. Like he has the picket fence, he's got the dream set up to find that she has a family, mm. um, that she's raising his daughter, you know, with another man. I mean, that's the core motor of the show to begin. We find out she is, you know, has run away from her family, this Ukrainian crime family, and her father is torn between sort of his duty to sort of correct that and, you know, his love for his daughter. We find that the character of Gordon is wrestling with being the other man. Um, and how do you be a good man when everyone around you is, is a lie? Um, even a character like Job that doesn't have family, he falls into it. And why does he stay in a town like Banshee, which he hates? It's because his only family is is Lucas, and in some ways, Sugar, and you know, grows to become that, and Anna in her own way as well. And he has no reason. This is a man that's constantly, constantly complaining about not having money, who could secure money at the drop of a hat, you know, by through bank transfer online or something. He clearly is not doing it for the money. He's doing it because these are the people he loves and that he cares for. Um, the Amish community, Kai Proctor, he's been ejected from his family. He's taken in his niece. You know, it's, it's all about family. And I feel like in the midst of all of these explosions and gunfights and martial arts fights and, you know, gangs that constantly ride into town and stuff, these gigantic things that happen, it's really about, you know, people simply trying to find their place in the world with another group of people. Um, so I like things like that. I like any mm -hmm. thematic that really hits that. Um, and so, you know, all of these, the stories that I, I mean, at the, at the heart of it, isn't that, you find that so much in comics, right? And you find that, Absolutely. In, I mean, Spider-Man, I mean, that's yeah. the classic, right? The, you know, this is essentially a man raised by his uncle and aunt and, you know, where's his family? You know, there's a hole there. Yeah. yeah, that that needs to be served somehow, and then compounded by you know the death of his uncle. You know, it's it's this thing that never goes away, and and so when you see the sort of uh, cosmic effect of everything that's happening in these comic books, you realize that the source of origin is often very, very, very small, you know, and very personal, and that's the part we hook into, mm -hmm. right? And so we hook into that small nugget where we identify with the character and we say we are that character in some way. And then that character takes us to the extremity of what we could be, maybe, right? If we 
work hard enough, are good enough, care enough, make the right choices, whatever they are. Um, and I, I've always found that to be the, the heart of any story that I'm interested in. Um, I, I kind of, for fans who haven't seen the show, I, I kind of, when I was watching it, it um, Lucas's character kind of, or Lucas the character mm. kind of reminded me of like our Daredevil show a little bit. Yeah. Where it's like, he's getting the crap beat out of him and he's not just this next episode, mm -hmm. just he's all better. I mean, he does heal up a little quicker than mm -hmm. most people do, but he's still, you know, he, there's one episode where he's just like laying in bed the whole episode because he's got torn, torn apart. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great because like, it's more true to life in that respect. You know, we, 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 I gotta say, we've, that was a constant source of debate and question for us because, um, you know, I have a theory about it, but my, my theory about it is that there is, and, and actually it does apply to any sort of um, medium that is, that is extra real or super real. And uh, I feel like on some level, there's some, this great phenomenon that happens where, um, we, we were talking about the reality of fights or, or things like that in, in the show. And my position was sometimes that, you know, if you watch someone getting shot in a television show and they're getting shot with like a laser, mm -hmm. right? You know that's not real, right? And because you know it's not real, you feel safe in the story. You're not witnessing a real death. You're not witnessing... You're not witnessing like an execution on YouTube that someone caught on their cell phone, which you, I couldn't even look at, you know. But because you feel safe, then the show can take you somewhere, and they can use that trust to bring you somewhere unexpected because you feel safe with them. You mm -hmm. feel you feel like you are not going to be um, shown something you can't handle, or if you are shown something you can't handle, you have the safety that it's not real. Um, and so you can absorb it differently. You can take it in differently. And then when they bring you to something that is quite real, but is maybe emotionally based or is a quieter moment, you've you've opened yourself up to that in a way maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Um, it's a different sort of phenomenon, and I think that that's uh, that's really important actually in a show like Banshee. The it's a little bit of a setup, you know, where you can enjoy all of this intense over-the-top action and because you've gone with us that far you'll you'll allow us to take you somewhere else and sometimes those turns are unexpected and and people will find themselves kind of involved in a way that they weren't anticipating yeah you have the best answers ever to any <laughs> interview we've ever done they are. They're very good. They're very well thought out. I'm just sitting here, kind of taking it all in. So, for folks who want to get more, like you said, you're active on social media. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at, at Mr. Hoon Lee, mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's probably the the place I check most frequently. And if people are in the New York area and they want to go see, yeah, at Lincoln I. Center right now, um, King and I is running with um, Tony Award winning Kelly O'Hara <laughs> and Tony Award winning Ruthie Ann Miles. And, Tony Award winning costumes. Um, <laughs> and future Tony Award winner. Oh, gosh, no. I, I Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about the rest of all of that. But um, it's a, I, I have to say, just uh, I saw the show in preparation for doing the show, and I, I was blown away. The, mm. It's such a, it's such a beautiful jewel of a show, and it's a sort of experience that, is not going to happen that much anymore where you have a large cast, 51 people, 
you know, 26 or 29 piece orchestra. And, um, you know, that's a sort of experience that is rare now and is sadly going to become more rare. Mm. It's, it's an amazing um, experience in its own right. And uh, I can't say enough about my castmates and the, the sort of quality um, of, of not only of technique, but also of, of effort and emotion and, and uh, pure stamina on some people's parts now that they put forth every night. Um, so if you're in town and have a chance, I highly encourage it. And you, uh, how long do you, are you? I'm going to be in until the end of February. Okay. Yeah. And you're still on uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. And anything else you want to talk about? Well, you know, the uh, <laughs> Banshee will start airing at the beginning of April. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing uh, the fruits of the fourth season. And, uh, and I hope people tune in to uh, enjoy the enjoy the show and, and for those that are interested and in to find out what happened to Job and so I'm kind of curious myself <laughs> we never see it before anyone else so uh, I, really? I, I, I'm, I'm with everybody else when uh, when we're watching the episodes and I, I like to discover it with the audience actually so it's always a kind of a surprise and shock for me Keep up the great work. You Thank you very much. Out of the park, so. Absolutely. Thank Thanks you. so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. This is Marvel. It's your universe.